Hello, and welcome to Steeped in Mystery. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jenna. Welcome back. And today, Jenna, we're doing a slip in tea time, right? A slip in tea time. (laughs) So is it a slip into tea or is it a slip in time? I think it's a slip in time is what we're going for here today. I think that is what we're going for today. That is Although absolutely... I'm, I'm going to slip into this Egyptian licorice tea we decided... Okay, I am a little bit excited to try this because licorice is not a flavor I would associate with tea. Okay, what? Oh. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like what? Why does that work? Holy moly. <laughs> okay, Egyptian licorice tea. Try it. That is delicious. I'm going to be real. This has been sitting in my tea pile forever. It came in one of those like uh, variety packs. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'll save that for when I have absolutely nothing else. Um, I think it was a good choice for today <laughs> because, you know, Egyptians, you know, the way back time machine kind of thing going on. Doesn't everyone associate stuff with Egyptians with being time travel or aliens? Sure. Too? Yeah, absolutely. Like... They should. If they don't, it should be that way. Okay. So... More specifically, time travel. What about accidental time travel, Amanda? Well, you can't. You gotta. You gotta have a whole machine. You gotta have like speed uh, of light. Yeah. You, but what if? What if you know you hopped on an airplane for a vacation and you ended up somewhere completely different in a completely different time? Are we talking like future or past? Either one. That'd be so crazy. Right. So what if you were just walking down the street? Oh, that's giving me backrooms vibes. And had a slip in time. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so accidental time travel, or as the interwebs likes to call it, time slips, seems to be a common occurrence in some places in the world. So, like, very specific places. Wait, and- so there's, like, spots you could go to and potentially, have, like, more frequently have a time slip. Yes, Correct. And one of those streets happens to be Bold Street in Liverpool, UK. Yes. Yes. Just hang hang in there. Okay. Hang in there. People report seeing on this particular street, people report seeing old-fashioned, old-fashionedly dressed people, stores that shouldn't be there, and even different cars and horses and buggies. What? Yes. That is so cool. Very distinct. Very, very distinct. So, um, and and just as a, a brief description, people describe a time slip as having a brief encounter of being in the past, in the same location, or moving forward in time. So either way, you're still in the same physical location, but yes. your time has changed in relativity. Correct. Whether future or past. Yes. Okay. It's the time that's relative. Okay, so it's kind of like in the movie The Time Machine, where whenever he turns it, he's still in the same place, Mm -hmm. but the world around him is different. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I can vibe with that. Okay. Okay. So when the person experiences this time slip, they can see, hear, and smell the change in the environment. And in some cases, they've interacted with the people from the past, even so far as buying goods and services and exchanging So it's not just observing an old-fashioned area of town and feeling like you're in the past. It's 
interacting with an yes oh correct correct so i i have some stories yes of time slips yes 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 okay so they're relatively short stories and um most of these are first person and uh this this particular story and a few of them come from uh actually come from the dailymail.co.uk so this is from the uk um the daily mail so like a yeah. news news reporting agency yes yes oh wow okay i know right that's so fun that it this is fun and and i think you'll find out when you hear these stories why time slip is an appropriate term or an appropriate okay description of these events all right i'm down for it okay i love this kind of stuff all right here we go okay so this person wrote uh my partner andy is the most logical man you'll ever meet but something strange happened to him more than 40 years ago that he struggles to explain so obviously this is 40 years ago to them but this happened in 1977 when he was uh when i was five and my sister was seven we were staying with my great aunt in an old Norfolk house. It dated back to the 1600s, he remembers. Okay. We woke very early and went to the living room where we saw the fire had been lit and an old woman in a long dress and cap using a spinning wheel in front of the fire. She looked up but didn't say anything. Thinking she would make their breakfast, the children walked into the kitchen, but it was dark in the kitchen. So when they went back out to ask her about breakfast, she had vanished and the fireplace was cold. Yes. And he says, when we told the adults later, they said the home hadn't, the home help hadn't arrived yet. So apparently in 1970s, they still had like, they had some, like a cook or a nanny or something. A staff for the house. Yeah. Yeah. And so the parents were just like, what are you talking about? The, the help, the downstairs people. (laughs) It had not arrived yet. <laughs> that that was their only their only answer to that. Jeez, that's okay. But to be fair, I would think in that situation, like my first thought would be ghost, not time slip. Right. Okay. We're gonna circle back to that later. Oh no. Yes, we are. Okay, so uh, Mark Twain even wrote a book, a Yankee, uh, you know, a Connecticut and Yankee, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court in eighteen eighty nine. And that was about time travel, but it was more of a time slip because there wasn't any machine or time machine or purposeful act that caused him to travel to so King like Arthur's court. John Carter would be kind of like a time slip, but a space slip. Kind of. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. like that vibe of like no actual science has happened. Right. But a shift has happened. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm Unlike Back to the Future and Marty McFly, who uses a time machine and sets the date of where he wants to go. So, so it's like, it's, it's taking a boat down a river versus accidentally falling in. Let's say, well, true. So if the boat, if you can steer the boat and navigate the boat, that's time travel. If it's a time slip, you're in the river floating currents, taking you wherever it wants to take you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. So now, second story, also in the UK. In the 1980s, uh, Carol Anders moved to Devon to work for the National Health Services. Uh, one weekend, a colleague drove her to Plymouth for a party. And as they skirted a roundabout on the approach to the city, she remembers seeing a beautiful church, 
like absolutely stunning. She said that it was full of color from the light streaming through the stained glass windows. And she passed the front doors and she, she actually could look inside and she saw a huge congregation. And while Carolyn could clearly recall the site, no one else in the car saw it. So there were multiple people in the car. And yet she's the only one who sees this. Yes. So the, the real shock, though, was a few weeks later, um, her boyfriend suggested a Sunday um, out and, and they went driving and um, they drove through Plymouth again. And as they drove past that roundabout, she said, I literally cried out because the church was in ruins, was in absolute ruins, she said. And she cried out, you know, oh, my God, what happened? Did you know it had been damaged? What happened to the church? And then it was her boyfriend that looked at her and said, uh, that particular church is Charles Church, one of the oldest in the area, and it had been bombed in the Second World War. Oh, my gosh. What Carolyn had seen was impossible. The church had been left in ruins as a memorial to the dead. Yet she remains convinced that what she saw was an actual church in all its glory because she said, my friends believe me because I'm not given to flights of fancy. (laughs) I'm telling the truth because I don't tell tales. No. But interesting, right? So it's like that that one was um, not, I, I don't know if I would call that. I mean, it seems like a time slip. Like she obviously saw something that wasn't there, but then you'd have to say, well, is that like a past mental image or well and if you can if if one can slip through time then then that it might be like windows or doors where you don't have to step through them to see through them right so So, yeah maybe so yeah true maybe she was the one that could see through that window into the past and see that church when everybody else couldn't yeah yeah that that seems fair to me true if we're if we're going down this road (laughs) okay all All right. right fair enough so um and, and this is why I think our tea is very appropriate because of this little story here. So uh, some paranormal investigators speculate that time slips tend to happen in more ancient areas where intense events have occurred. In 2011, relationships counselor Rian Kivitz, I think I said that right, 46, visited the Temple of Karnak in Luxor. Because of social unrest in Egypt, the temples were totally empty, she remembers. She made her way to the goddess statue she wanted to see when suddenly she felt disoriented. Somehow the statue looked shiny and new. She heard a noise like a crowd shouting outside, she adds, and I recall my partner speaking to me, but his voice was muffled. So again window into the past or did she actually step into it step into it or slip into the past time slip time slip time (laughs) slip everyone wants to do the time slip oh that's that's time warp yeah that's the time warp okay sorry let's do Do the time time warp warp again okay enough of that (laughs) i wasn't prepared to sing on this episode it's happening Uh, yep there we go Can't take it back now. Okay, so other paranormal investigators um, speculate that time slips may be due to, and this is specific to the UK, but be due to the subway. They say that it runs in concentric circles beneath Bold Street in Liverpool. Oh. And 
because it does that, it can apparently create a portal through time because it's running in circles. Now, I did not research that, so I'm not so sure. It's an interesting conclusion to jump to, though, that something yes. going in circles can create a time slip. It, it, by yes. that by that logic, could I do a Hot Wheels track in my living room and stand in the middle of it? Well, and I mean, probably need a little bit more energy, but but than just but, Hot Wheels, but just like theoretically. Oh uh, well, theoretically, theoretically, we could do anything. Well, you're absolutely right on that. Okay, so. <laughs> But this is also according to Rodney Davies, a paranormal researcher and author of Time Slips, Journeys into the Past and Future, and he has spent years gathering material on the phenomenon. Okay. And he admits he still struggles to explain it. When a time slip occurs, he he suggests that it may simply be that our limited mind is briefly able to perceive this simultaneous past or future relative to that spot. Oh. Relative to that phys- physical spot, right? So it's it's sort of like being shown the branches that have happened and could happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And he says that one theory states that the past, present, and future are all in one. And if I if I remember right, didn't didn't um goodness me. MC squared guy. Oh, Einstein. Einstein, sorry. Old person brain. Yeah, relativity. Yes, the theory of relativity, isn't that have to do with past, present, future all existing at the same time? Or sort of. In a lot of ways, but it's not the first time I've heard the theory. Right. um, And I've even heard of time being like a loop. Oh, yeah. And that's why we, we, you know, live the way we live is that the inevitable future that we come to will also be turn into the past that we already know oh which is why we look back and we're like oh some of this seems too futuristic for what we have now Mm, interesting do do you see where or maybe like the mandela butterfly effect too that's another episode we could tie it all in okay but he further says that our limited consciousness can only experience time by being in what we know as the present. Yeah, uh, like you, even though what I just said just got said, I can no longer be there experiencing that. Otherwise, my brain, my brain wouldn't be able to process it. Correct. We're third. Yes. Di- we're third. Third. Third dimensional creatures. We can't. We right. Can't handle beyond that. I I think so. I think our our just like he said our limited capacity to have that type of thought it's the same way that a 2d character couldn't observe our three-dimensional world because the fourth dimension is time and so a fourth dimensional creature and i could have that wrong one of the higher dimensions from us so higher dimensions can look back at the other dimensions but a lower dimension can't see the higher dimensions yeah there's no way okay yeah so a two-dimensional creature cannot understand a third dimensional creature okay there you go so we're just simply observing what we can because of what we are. And Interesting. Yeah. So he also adds it's possible. Now this is a whole nother episode too, but I'm just going to throw it in there. It's possible some people have slipped to the past or future and ended up stuck. Uh, Thousands it- of people go missing every year. Surely though, Wait, you know, that if that were the case, we would find. Scottish soap opera yep. show that's. Outlander. Outlander. Yes. Avid fan. Thank you very much. 
I was gonna say, I know there's a whole there's yes. a whole obsession yes. that same Well day. she went through she went through um standing stones to okay. travel through but time. Still a time slip of sorts. Correct. Because she didn't know where she was going in the initial part of it. She so didn't you know could where she was going. Get stuck like that and just be Yes. Absolutely. So he hypothesizes that if that were the case, we would find modern clothes preserved in peat bogs or cell phones fossilized in rock. However, there have been some very odd discoveries. Um, you can actually search um, on the inter- interwebs, and there are things out there where you can find uh, stories of strange machinery found in the 18th century lab- by laborers and jewelry discovered in the seams of a coal mine. They've actually found a, a hammer infused in rock. So there are evidences of things like that. I've actually seen from the Doctor Who fandom too. Mm-hmm. Um, they like to pull up a lot of evidences to prove the Doctor is real. And in in those endeavors, mm. they also mm-hmm. find a lot of things that are clearly more present appearing Yes. But are fossilized or preserved in, in such a way that they had to have come from the past. Correct. Correct. So his story, or I'm sorry, his book actually came out in 2019. But a lot of the time slips that he discusses happened pre-1990s. Okay. So it's kind of suggests that the modern world doesn't lend itself to mystical experiences. Well, is that so? Or is it that... Since the 1990s, our population has grown so much that if one person slips or goes missing, you know, or or even that people who do claim to experience these phenomena end up in psych wards instead of just their friends being like, oh. Okay, so I don't think so much psych wards, but here's here's a theory that he puts out there that I think is very much apropos for the situation. Our lives are so absorbed by other things, technology, social media, smartphones, that we don't have the sufficient time to just be still or to actually pay attention to our surroundings like other people. Right. We're all scrolling our phones in the car. None of us is Mm going to look out the window and see the chapel. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. I, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's our human brain's ability to interpret signals. So sometimes when we get misinterpreted singles signals, or we see things, our brain tries to fill in the gaps with things that are known. So, um, (laughs) one instance of this, I was traveling late at night, uh, two o'clock in the morning down a dark road and, uh, super tired. And my, I could see something in the road up ahead. And my mind went to, why is that giant tumbleweed in the middle of the road? And then of course, as I got closer, the tumbleweed turned into an elk, but the elk was lying on the road. So it didn't, I mean, it wasn't legs. Your brain. It wasn't an animal. So, so my brain was like, oh, that has to be a tumbleweed. Cause it was the same color and it was roughly the same shape. And it wasn't until I got close enough to uh, obviously to see the 
details. Right. Like that like, it became an elk. Like doing the sausage finger with your fingers yes. as a kid, where you have the imaginary floating sausage. It's not real, but your brain makes that information because Right, of- or those crazy posters where you stare at them until you see the weird things in the crazy posters. Oh, I love those. Yeah. Love those. Those are cool. <laughs> those are super cool. Such a nineties kid thing. <laughs> okay. So here's this is the story that I really think is like confirms the time slip legit time slip because it's it's so intriguing and um this one actually comes from um good good good2.com and it's um if you google good to know you'll Um. find good2.com okay so this is called the vanishing hotel so in 1979 two couples were driving through france on holiday Jeff and Pauline Simpson and Len and Cynthia Gisby. Um, they were looking for a place to stay near, near Mont Lemaire and they found a motel, but they were told there were no vacancies and that they should try further down the road. So they set off down the road and soon found themselves driving down a cobbled street. They paused to take an interest in an oddly fashioned sign for a circus, but then they soon came across a long, low stone building that said in oh so the couples went inside and were shown to their rooms um they actually have were very descriptive the windows had no glass in them there were just simple wooden shutters uh the furniture was basic there were no pillows no telephones nothing even remotely modern no elevator (laughs) um after eating a meal of steak eggs and beer Uh, They retired to bed. And then at breakfast in the dining room the next morning, they were struck by some bizarrely dressed individuals. Uh, A woman in a silk evening gown came in carrying a dog. It was strange, Pauline said. It looked like she had just come in from a ball, but it was seven in the morning. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. They also described policemen wearing uniforms later identified to date from 1905 when they sat down to eat. Uh, later, paying their bill, the couple, couples were astonished when they were asked for just 19 francs or roughly two pounds to cover their stay. That's like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So two weeks down the line, so they, they went on their way. They traveled on their hol- holiday. On their way home, they decided to stay at that inn again. But it wasn't there anymore. They literally could not find it. And developing the rolls of film, they'd snapped with their camera all the negatives of the photos that they'd taken at the motel or the inn were missing. What? Yes. Baffled, they actually returned four years later again to try to locate the inn and never found it. Dude. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and I can see where they'd be coming from because they're like, oh, that place was hella cheap. Yeah, let's yeah. go back. Oh, hell sure, yeah. not the best amenities. Steak and but... eggs and beer. Yeah, let's go back. Yeah. yeah. And it's not. And it's not even there. Can you imagine the weird feeling of knowing that you slept in a place and ate in a place that's not there? And and I've actually, um, I heard an, a, another story on a different podcast And I'll just give a shout out to Monsters Among Us because it was a story that a listener called in with. And it was basically they were stranded because a severe storm hit the area they were traveling through. And they stayed at this motel because everywhere else was full. 
And uh, after they left the area and then they were driving back through the area, it wasn't there and they couldn't find it. And they were looking on GPS. They were looking on Google Maps. They couldn't find it. And they literally, even the ho- the name of the hotel did not exist. Okay. And like, here's the deal. You could sleep anywhere. So I could almost see hallucinating sleeping somewhere. Right. But, eating... but an entire building? Well, but, but, okay, but eating. Oh, yeah. Eating. Like, if you hallucinated eating, when you come out of the hallucination, you're going to be hungry. hungry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like, they knew they ate. Which means what they were experiencing was real, and yet... Yes. uh, Yes, for sure. Okay, so the next story, uh, we're going back to Liverpool. Uh, This incident involved a teenager named Imogene, who went out shopping to buy some baby clothes for her older sister, who had just become a mom. Imogene noticed a new branch of mother care had opened on the corner of Lord Street, And she went inside and selected some pretty items, including a polka dot bib and some pink um, cardigan, um, all at surprisingly low prices. However, when she tried to pay with her credit card, confused, confused staff told her they couldn't accept it. Not having enough cash, she went to another store before returning home. Okay. When she told her mom about the new mother care store... Imogene was irritated to find that her mother refused to believe the store existed as she knew it had closed years before and was now a bank. In fact, it was where her mother's bank was. The pair argued so much they decided to return to the site and sure enough, the mother care was no longer there and in its place was a branch of HSBC. Oh my That gosh. one's crazy. Like you just time slip and you're like in a, you're in a store shopping. In a store shopping. Yeah. Talking to people, picking up items. Yeah. Could she, if she had had the cash and had bought them, would those items still seem like new when she brought them out of the time slip? Would they be aged? What? Ooh, interesting question. I don't know that I'd come across a story where they actually were able to carry items but you got to think if you bought something, them? if they're talking to retailers and they're right. buying stuff, so yeah. one of them is going to have the cash and buy an item. Sure. Like if I take a, a dollar. I would think you'd be able to take it back with you. But would it, when I brought it here, would it be new like it was when Ooh. I bought it or would it have aged? Because I wouldn't have aged. I, <laughs> I got me on that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like weird stuff like that. Yeah, you got me on that one. Okay, so some of these stories from Bold Street, I've taken the a little bit more obscure stories because there's actually a really famous story about Bold Street. You can go on the internet and find it. It was basically about a policeman that time slipped. And he time slipped like for a few minutes, like 10, 15 minutes on Bold Street. And it's really fascinating, but it's, it's a well-known story, so I kind of push that one aside, but go out and find it. It's a good one. But then I went searching for future slip stories because I wanted to know, well, okay, all these are like, you know, past slipping back into the past. slipping into the future? Exactly. And what are they seeing? I know. (laughs) I want to know. I want to know what the future's like. 
Well, here's a, here's a story that I found of a future slip. It was actually written by Victor Goddard and um, published in his book in 1975 called Flight Toward Reality. Okay. Yeah. So here's the story, uh, brief synopsis of Victor Goddard. Uh, so in uh, the story starts in the year 1935. Uh, Air Marshal... Sir Victor Goddard of the British Royal Air Force had a narrowing, a harrowing experience in his Hawker Hart biplane. So um, Victor Goddard was the RAF wing commander on a flight from Edinburgh, Scotland to his home base in Andover, England. And one day while he was flying to Edinburgh from Andover, he decided to take the route from Drem, Scotland. So I guess he took a non-direct route or a different route than what he normally took. Okay. So he passed over a field. Um, it was a dilapidated airfield in Drem. Um, so the airfield was constructed during World War I and he couldn't see much of it. And so as he was flying over that airfield, though, a storm came up. Oh, like a rainstorm? Uh, like a huge storm, like black clouds, everything else. And he, he thought he was going to literally crash. Okay. He was like, I'm going to crash into the mountains. He couldn't see the ground. He couldn't see, um, anything except for these, what he described as bizarrely colored clouds around him. Bizarrely colored. Yes. Okay. So all of a sudden he flew out of these clouds into brilliant, bright sunlight. And he was still flying over, Drem airfield. And so he's like, okay, I just flew over this. How am I? Did I get flying turned around over? In the storm? Yeah. Did I get turned around? How am I flying over it again? But he noticed the scenery had changed. So the hangars that were earlier falling apart now seemed to be brand new. The airbase looked like an airbase with, um, it had four planes on the ground. Those planes were painted yellow in color but those were never the color of the RAF planes in 1935. So he spotted three familiar biplanes, but one looked unfamiliar to him. So he's getting a really good view of what's down there. Yeah. Um, and, and back then, obviously these planes flew closer to the ground so you could see. I would imagine like maybe the height, like crop dusters do. Yes, because they didn't have the, um, instrumentation to fly higher or even the, you know, cabin pressure and stuff like that. Fair enough. Okay. So, uh, the fourth plane was a monoplane. So not a biplane with the two wings, but a monoplane, which the RAF did not, didn't have in 1935. There were mechanics in the scenery too. However, they didn't dress like the RAF mechanics. Um, while the uniform of the RAF mechanics was an overall brown color, the mechanics were dressed in a blue uniform. Huh. So then all of a sudden the storm once again engulfed his plane, um, but he managed to keep his um, heading and managed to make his way back to Andover. Okay. So he, he managed to get where he was going. Now, this is where the time slip comes into play. What happened was dubbed a time slip incident because what he actually witnessed at Drem Airfield never did exist in 1935. However, in the year 1939, 
RAF Dremfield was equipped with everything that Goddard had spotted back then. The RAF started painting their planes yellow. A new monoplane was introduced to the airbase. The mechanics overalls were actually updated to a blue color and DREM was once again converted into a fully functioning airbase in 1939. Oh my gosh. And it was the buildup for World War II. So yeah, he glimpsed the future of that airfield. Yes, while flying through a storm. That is insane. And he wrote a book about it. Like a he whole actually book. wrote it because he truly believed he slipped like he went forward in time and slipped in time. Well, I mean, what else do you excuse that as? Exactly. You there's there's no other explanation for it. Yeah, you you saw the future. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. That is insane. Isn't that crazy? That story. So, I mean, the fact that he could recall so much detail and that he was a trained pilot, but not just a pilot, he was a commander. So this is a very reputable story to me. Yeah. Yeah. Has substance. And he just, oh, wow. Yeah. So we time slipped to the past. We time slipped to the future. But what about time slipping centuries? Centuries? Yes. Centuries. Not just like 50, 60 yeah. years. Yeah. So what if an experience <clears throat> in 1930 led to 4th, century ad what yes and the witness was actually extremely analytical fourth century ad i don't even know what was happening in fourth century AD. so like roman empire carl jung okay all right carl jung everybody should know carl jung right famous precursor to sigmund freud very philosophical yes okay so some state this story was recounted by Jung to several friends and that Jung himself never documented it in his own hand, but other people say he did. So I found multiple sites that said both ways, but I say judge for yourself. Okay. Let's, let's hear the story. All right. And you can judge for yourself. So uh, this was actually... Uh, Dated March 12, 2019 by Laura Roten. Um, uh, she was the author. And this was uh, Scenes from the Past, Carl Jung's Incredible Time Slip. Okay. And this is from ParanormalScholar.com. Okay. Carl Gustav Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst and early supporter of the founding fathers of psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud. Jung shared Freud's interests in the unconscious and would go on to revolutionize the psychiatric perspective of man's placement within time and the world. So um, one of his most famous theories was synchronicity. So uh, the concept is that the existence of meaningful coincidences, the events are somehow meaningful if they occur with no casual relationship, yet they still seem to be related. Okay. Um, Jung's lifelong engagement with the paranormal that he was some postulized, that's why he was able to make this observation. Okay. Okay. So in the early 1930s, Jung and a female acquaintance, uh, believed to be Tony Wolf, visited an ancient town of Ravenna, Italy, once capital of the Western Roman Empire before it collapsed in 4 
76 AD. In his posthumously published semi-autobiographical book, Memoirs, Dreams, and Reflections, Jung describes having fallen into a strange mood in the tomb of Gaia Placinda. Uh, sorry, again, don't know Italian. Hope I didn't butcher that. I know it's Gaia for sure. Gaia Placinda. Born in the 4th century AD, Placinda was the daughter of a Roman emperor and a major force in Roman politics for most of her life. Um, Jung recalls that he and the lady he was with went directly from the tomb where he had felt the strange sensation to the baptistry of Neon, a religious building which is the most ancient monument remaining in the city of Ravenna. Upon entering the building that Jung described being struck by a mild blue light that filled the room. And that wasn't the most amazing thing that happened in that building. He looked on the walls and there were four great mosaic frescoes of incredible beauty. The mosaic stood in place of the windows, which he had recalled seeing on his first visit to Ravenna in 1913. Okay. And... Uh, he describes the mosaics in great detail. Quote, the mosaic on the south side represented the baptism in the Jordan. The second picture on the north was the passage of the children of Israel through the Red Sea. The third on the east soon faded from my memory, but the fourth mosaic on the west side of the baptistry was the most impressive of all. We looked at this one last. It represented Christ holding out his hand to Peter, who was sinking beneath the waves. We stopped in front of this mosaic for at least 20 minutes and discussed the original ritual of baptism, especially the curious archaic conception of it as an initiation connected with real peril of death. I retain the most distinct memory of the mosaic of Peter sinking and to this day can see every detail before my eyes. The blue of the sea, the individual chips of the mosaic, the inscribed scrolls proceeding from the mouths of Peter and Christ, which I attempted to decipher. The impressive religious artwork left such an impression that even many years later, he could see every detail before his eyes. So captivated by their beauty, he decided he was going to purchase photographs of the four mosaics. But after a quick search in the area, he couldn't find any, and he was really pressed for time. So he decided he would postpone the purchase until later and order the pictures from Zurich. Yeah. So he went back home, and um, Young actually found out an acquaintance was going to visit Ravina and asked him to obtain the photos for him. Yeah. And uh, when his friend returned, his acquaintance, he explained that he had been unable to do so for not only were the pictures non-existent, but the very mosaics Jung had described did not exist either. Jung was shocked. The memory of the artwork still vivid in his mind at the time of the writing, Jung described his experience in Ravina as being among the most curious events of his life. So he proposed that in a moment of immersion... The actual walls of the baptistry were covered over by a vision of some altogether different site. So he chalked it up to, you know, he was having a vision. Okay. Right. But curiously, the lady who was with Jung during the visit to Ravina also saw the mosaics. Which means they were in fact there. Yes. So far from being simple, you know, projection of personal unconsciousness as Jung 
suggested the experience was a shared one and the female companion long refused to believe that what she had seen with her own eyes had not existed. Yeah. So um, other other references to that story is that the the mosaics themselves, I mean, there's documentation, like I guess they were written about. Okay. So we knew that there were mosaics there, but they, we also know that they were destroyed like also. With the sacking of Rome, yeah, I assume. Yeah, in ancient times. Yeah. In ancient times. Because a lot of yeah. things were destroyed when Rome went down. And, oh, yeah. Totally. And so yeah, some windows, of course. Right. But to see these mosaics to the point where he could describe them and describe their beauty and the, with everything. someone else who also saw them, right? With someone he discussed them with, exactly in the moment, exactly. So it's not like he they just saw them and they're like, "Wow, these are beautiful." No, they stood there and had a discussion on how baptism was. <laughs> signified you know death and you know rebirth or whatever and they thought it was archaic so i mean how crazy is that there's no i i mean there's no really good explanation i'm sure people could write it off as some sort of group hysteria but not time slip yeah that literally i mean it explains it yeah it does it really does And, and you know in sherlock's word whatever answer remains however improbable it it's the truth. It, it, right. Like, if you eliminate everything else. <laughs> so circling back to where you said that, you know, people have seen what they think are ghosts. Yeah. That maybe it was a time slip. So I had my own time slip. When? And for years, I had thought that I had just seen a ghost. But now you're questioning otherwise. But now I think it was a time slip. Okay. Okay, you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. ready. I'm- okay, so this time slip occurred in the 1980s on Redwood Road in um, Taylorsville, Utah. So um, my mom's cousin was a dental hygienist, and she left us with her uh, to get our teeth cleaned, and it was me and my older brother. So I was probably maybe, I think, 10 or 11. And how old was he? Probably, so if I was 10 or 11, he was um, like 11 or 12. Okay, so. Okay. Okay, preteens. Right, right. So um, we stayed there with my mom's cousin, and she had to close everything up and get everything put away. And then she was going to take us back home because my mom was with our younger siblings. So we, we asked her if we could go you know, run around outside because, of course, we're bored. Why would we want to stay in a dentist's office when we don't have to? No, who would? Right. So we went outside, and next to the dentist's office was this really big brick home. Um, I remember at the time it was painted. It was either painted red or the bricks were red. Okay. And it had white trim. Okay. And in the back of this house was an old lady in a black dress, um, working in a garden. Okay. And she had a bonnet on and she, she actually yelled at us and said, get out of here. <laughs> and we're like, younger- okay, we're, we're out of here. Goodbye bonnet lady. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to disturb your whole work. Cause she was. <laughs> your whole work. <laughs> okay. So my brother, I actually reached out to him. He remembers the house. He remembers it being creepy. He remembers 
He does not remember the specific event, um, but he says, I, I do remember you saw something. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, the home next door to that dentist's office was built in 1890 by Thomas Diamond, and he was um, a Mormon settler to the area. Okay. Uh, several homes in that area now on Redwood Road are actual historical landmarks. Oh. Um, unfortunately, I found out that this home had been abandoned in the 1980s. And then in the 1990s, and I do remember this part of it, in the 1990s, it was made into a spook alley. And I literally thought it was haunted. It was one of the scariest spook alleys I've been to. But in um, 19, I think it was 1996, it was actually torn down. Okay. Because it was too, um, there was too much structural damage. And at that point, nobody had come forward to try to get it registered as a historic landmark. Right. So I have um, a picture. I found a picture online of a house that is very, very similar. And it's built in a different area of Utah, Panguitch, Utah. But it was built in 1896. So around the same time period. And it's a red brick home in the Victorian style. Oh. And it actually did have like the... It, it gives the creepy tower, vibes, but the like... The tower kind of part, but this is a little bit different than the one that was on that house, but that is almost identical to the house. I love houses like that. Right? Even even with the creepy vibes, they're so, they're so much fun. Okay, so then I went down the rabbit hole even further, because of course, why not? I have to. And I found a picture of the style of dress that I remember this person wearing. And the closest I could find was a picture of two Dutch women in 1895 in basically plain Victorian dress. Oh, that'd be so creepy to see. That is literally what she was wearing. And I will tell you right now that the face of this old, I want to say spinster woman, because she looks so creepy. But that was like, she, I, I remembered she had the part down her hair and it was parted because you could see that kind of through her, you know, kind of underneath the bonnet. bonnet. But that was the type of dress she was wearing so while she was, was working in the was, garden. The, but the place was abandoned at the time you were. Yes. So now I know the place. Like, I didn't know that then. I, I just knew it was a creepy old house when I was there. And for years, I thought it was just a ghost I saw. But then because she yelled at us to go away and we ran... In my, little, interact. in my little childhood brain, I thought it was a witch. But then going down this rabbit hole of time slips, I was like, holy Moses. That was a time slip. Yeah. You slipped I just liter- enough to have her be like, oh, these kids, get out of yeah. my yard. Get out of here. What are you, you know, strange looking kids come running out of nowhere. And it's like, get out of here. Go back to your mother. <laughs> Especially because I wasn't wearing a dress in 1980. <laughs> so if she sees a girl running around without a dress on, she's probably like, oh, <laughs> devil children, here. get out of here. So anyway, I think that experience was actually a time slip and not necessarily that I was seeing a ghost now. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I just wonder... It c- could you make a time slip? Could you purposely go somewhere where time slips frequently happen and 
make one happen. Like, but then that would be time travel. Uh, see? Okay, okay, okay. okay. So like if you went to Bold Street and you're like, I'm going to time travel. I'm going to try and travel. I think if you just like mentally projected it and you ended up time traveling, okay, it'd still be considered a slip because you didn't use any type of device per se. But I think that that would probably be your best bet of, of, of doing a time slip is going to Bold Street. Oh, man. That's now on my list of places to go. There's a lot of places. Oh, yes. But Bold Street, you, you know, Liverpool, come on. There's a ton of places in, oh, yeah. Oh, just to try and do a time, time slip again. <laughs> okay, sorry. I said I wouldn't do it, and I totally did. Ah, podcasts are basically radio. We might as well add some sorry, music. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that is my fun little dive into time slips. That is so cool. Oh, my God. Well, what, would you would you have tea in it? I don't know how to oh, ask that. <laughs> totally. So like if I had a time slip, would I try to interact with? Yeah. Absolutely. Would you, would you have a good time with the time slip? Yes. I'd be like, pour me a cup of, let's sit down and. I actually. Good day, mate. Or good, good, cheerio, pip, pip, hello. The worry for me, the worry for me would be what if I can't get back? Oh, yeah. That'd be really hard. Yeah. It'd be one thing if I knew all of my family came with me, but like. Right, right. So maybe you pop in and you go, hi, love your tea. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Just look through the window. Wow. <laughs> I, I love your store. That's so cool. Right. So that's, I mean, that leads back to that guy's, you know, observation of. What if there are people that time slip and can't get back? All these missing people that we have. I, literally I, no trace of their disappearance and, and whatsoever. And you know what? Let's say they, they are smart and they write letters and they they find a place that they know is going to be preserved. Like They're like, oh, I know for sure the Declaration of Independence is going to get preserved. I'll just keep it with that. <laughs> I'll just slip it in the I'll just frame. seal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Well, in Outlander, to be fair, in Outlander, that's what they do. Write they letters. write letters to the future and they store them in like the secret compartment in the family desk. Right. Something something that you know is going to... Remain. Remain. Yeah. yeah. So let's say you figure that out and you send them like anyone who would be currently receiving those letters in this day and age. I mean, what are they going to tell people? Oh. Like... They, I found these mysterious letters from... From night 1789 or 1776 or and did they claim to be my mother for the future? Yeah, I know, right? What it, I I just, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know. It's it's something. It's one of those things where, unfortunately, if someone did bring that to light to the world, it, it, <laughs> I have to wonder if there isn't something like that out there somewhere in this world, and yet people are like, "This is not to be shared." Yeah. Like, I don't think I need to share this with the world. Right. Right. Exactly. Because belief. Belief. And and if someone does believe you, then there's, you know, then you get into that whole, oh, well, we need to do experiments and we need to do all this and that. Yeah. And and let's see if it's legitimate and let's see if it's real and let's see carbon date and let's... And that's how you get dragged all over the internet. And no. So I bet. I bet. There are some people out there with some letters saying, I am your mother and I am writing from 1776. 
<laughs> Hopefully they get a hot Scotsman too while they're at it. But <laughs> woo, yes. Oh, okay, man. peeps. Well, uh, time slips was a fun rabbit hole to go down. Um, I really enjoyed it, and um, I I hope I gave you some knowledge there, Amanda, because you kind of went in not totally blind. I hope, but no, you I, you didn't know what I was going to talk about again. Today. I have a kind of good grasp on time travel because I'm a nerd, but like time slips is a little bit different. That's kind of yeah. cool. I like the idea of those weird windows and coincidences. Right, for sure. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, I would tea. Sweet, I would. Uh, <laughs> caveat, caveat. <laughs> if I came back, I would tea. If I came back, <laughs> for sure. Okay, um, so find us on Facebook. Yep, Instagram. Uh, contact us info at stevedmystery dot com, and like, like us on Spotify. Give us a shout. Press Let the us... follow button. Yeah, but hey, we'll be here next week. So. You know, we'll uh, tune in then. Till then, don't slip through time. (laughs) Yeah. Bye. Bye.